today the guy walks in <laughs> and he just starts playing my piano. Like he doesn't, Chris, you didn't even ask. You just started playing, you started playing my piano. So I'm going to let you play my piano for a bit. Uh, my name is Matt Day and on the piano is Chris Andrew and this is Keys to Life. This is our, I think our seventh podcast. I uh, hope you're enjoying this. We're just going to let Chris roll a little bit with this tune. Chris, you can hang out there now because we have a better mic at the piano. Yeah, this is that? great, man. That that sounds like this. What, is, what was that tune you were just playing? I was trying to play the tune "Voyage" by the great piano uh, legend Kenny Barron. Because we're going to go on a voyage today. AI, I think, is going to come up. I got a feeling it's coming up today. Uh, Twilight Zone theme. Remember the Twilight Zone theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Probably do that a was whole, a good show, Matt. Whole thing about that. I love that. So, what musical mood are you in this morning? If you had to uh, play it on the piano and not tell us, tell us what mood you're in without telling us, but use the piano. Good question. Good question. At this hour, think of the coffee that you had, how that made you feel. that's something that ai can't do and we're going to get we're going to get into it in a little bit but i don't i don't think ai can could ever maybe probably not now but maybe in a week um and when it does maybe i'll uh, upgrade my processor in my brain somehow your commodore 64 well i'm going to invite chris over to his uh, coffee and sit across from me here uh, we have a lot of fun doing this, and we love hearing your feedback. So thank you for all of you who uh, sent us little notes and ask us to talk about certain things. And some people have been asking us about AI, uh, which I want to get into. But I want to get into my weekend and your weekend first. How did you do? How'd you do this weekend? Gigs? Get out. No gigs. Me neither. Um, it was nice. I had some family time, but um, yeah, it's it's the week. Uh, got back to teaching last week so i was just fine-tuning some uh some lesson plans for for this week so what's the headspace of students these days they've had two years of covid what what does a student look like now compared to a student three years ago january they're getting back into it is do you see a difference yeah definitely i think there i mean there's a sense of relief for sure with that sense of getting back to um, normalcy for sure. Um, students during that time, especially the students that, that hit McEwen in their first year, mm -hmm. when everything was in that lockdown, um, we definitely, well, we, we all didn't know what we were doing. 
you know, there was just, it just, there was insecurity. We were all, we were all COVID pioneers, right? Yeah, we it was insecurity. Kinda... There was just fear, um, not knowing how to adjust your learning. Because um, a lot of the stuff, we were lucky at McEwen that a lot of our stuff stayed in person. Um, for the most part, there was one time, I believe, where everything kind of shut down. But uh, yeah, it was. There was a. It just seemed like there was a disconnect in the learning. So were were you more in person than other universities? I mean, you kind of have to be, don't for you? Hundred percent. But more. I think a lot. We were one of the few music schools in North America that still did on uh, in person for a lot of it. Like we yeah, still. I didn't, I didn't know that you. We we ran ensembles. We had protocols in place. Uh, even the private lessons. You know, you had to be fully masked. You had to, had to be in a in a big room. You couldn't share coffee with a student. You couldn't drink out of their, you know, party. Yeah, yeah couldn't drink water. We discouraged that. Yeah, even before COVID, pre-COVID, <laughs> just no uh, no sharing policy. Absolutely. You know, even between teachers, it's like no. Teacher buys me coffee. I'm like no. And that and that changed when we were at McEwen. I remember uh, there was bass player Tino Zolfo. We've talked about Tino a few times, and Tino. Tino always talked with his hands. He was a very dramatic guy. Italian. He's Italian, yeah. And we were sitting, we had these couches down at the bottom uh, by some offices there. We'd all sit there and talk. One time, Tino had eaten a chocolate bar and he's halfway through and he's holding the chocolate bar. He's talking, he's holding this chocolate bar up behind him like he's that. And I went right behind him and I bit the thing. Right? And he goes, Matt, come on. He lost his mind and everyone laughed. But So we were sharing chocolate bars in 1990. That's not yeah. the same. You're not doing you that now. You can't do that now. No. And Tino probably wouldn't share with me, but he did well. He went down to Vancouver. He played with Soul Decision. I think he even did some stuff with Lady Gaga and different things like that. Yeah, he's in. He's in. He's been in Toronto for years, and Toronto. I think he's doing a lot of producing and writing. Yeah, like in, on the pop side, he's done really well. That for guy had a passion for music from the go, and he had to work through a lot of anxiety though. Like when he was first doing Jerry's, and you know, talk to your students about this. That first and second jury uh, anxiety that you have. I mean, Tino had that, but he moved through that. He worked, and I love watching uh, watching people work work through all those challenges. Um, we, well, let's get back to weekend for a second, because here's somebody that had to work through challenges, Whitney Houston, and I saw her movie. I want to dance with somebody on Sunday night, and it was it was so cool because. Um, Clive Davis, who is her producer, uh, well, D David Foster was, but the executive producer was Clive Davis, I believe. He's actually in this movie as uh, sort of an executive director as well. You don't see him. Stanley Tucci plays plays him in the movie. But he's there the whole time. So he's making sure the musical integrity stays. And the the girl, Naomi, something, I forget her last name. I think it's Naomi something. She, she kills this Whitney Houston role. She does so good. She didn't sing. She lip syncs everything because it's Whitney, right? What are you going to yeah. do? And Whitney's one of those singers that when I listen to her, like I'm, I'm a mess. Like I'm, I'll be, I'll be crying on certain tunes. There's something about her. And I think it was when I was in high school, a lot of her music was, I mean, that was, she was hitting right then. Right. And so the greatest love of all these kinds of tunes, they were providing a lot of comfort, I think to a lot of people because there was some real sincerity in her stuff and some, just some, some great musicality. And so watching her, whenever I watch Whitney, I'm just like, she's my, probably my favorite singer other than you. Like she'd be my second 
favorite singer after the Paul Brandt thing I heard about. Yeah, yeah, so, let's uh, talk about that right now. But it was great. It was a great show. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out because the musical integrity uh, remains there, but also her journey, right? What happened with Bobby Brown and all, all of those challenges. And she went through significant challenges in her life. Um, so I, I like watching that to know that, you know, I don't think we're alone when we have struggles as musicians, whether you're a student or you're, you know, 90 years old doing, doing music. I think there's still parts of that that show up for us. And sometimes we get lucky. You get a good community around you or you get some resources that help you move through. And other times, uh, other times you don't. So anyway, great movie. I would um, recommend checking it out. Awesome. Yeah, I'll so, definitely do that. But AI, I keep saying AI because we were talking about that today. And I, I wonder if AI is something, and the reason I'm, I'm bringing it up because this weekend I'm also reading a book by um, uh, Huval Noah Harari, who's, he does some stuff with the World Economic Forum. He's, he's a historian. He's a, he's a writer. I don't, I don't really like it. Right? He seems a little nefarious maybe, but he's a smart guy. And his book, uh, 21 Lessons of the 21st Century, is really interesting. And talking about AI, what's it going to do? Is it going to produce uh, a useless class of people that, you know, what do we do now if we don't have jobs from AI? And he says, you know, that's a reality. What are we looking at? How is it going to uh, shape the way we think? Is it going to help us think better? Are we going to have actually things implanted in us, like chips inside us, that help us have better thoughts, better climate thoughts, better physiological thoughts, better um, emotional thoughts? So I don't know. That's And then, of course, we want to nail uh, the music part of, of AI and how's that affecting music and what's that going to look like? Are we going to be obsolete? So, and you're, so you're, you're, you're reading this... Meanwhile, I'm reading the history of vacuum cleaners. Book sucks. The book sucks. <laughs> Don't well, I feel uh, out of my league now? Well, vacuum cleaners, though, but then Hoover, right? Jagger Hoover, wasn't he? Well, there was, was a connection, connection there, there, right? something there that I want yeah. to look at later on. Yeah. But I, I, so I guess I'm, I'm partly worried about AI in the sense that you just walked over to the piano, walked in, did your thing. Can AI produce that at the same level that you could sit down? Could I ask it to? You're talking about you found some app that does writing. Well, I don't know if there was an app, but I'm, I I'm trying to remember who told me about no, but the this. one that you it'll write a Shakespeare poem or something. Oh what, yeah, what yeah. Like who was telling me about that? My daughter's got that or something. But it it's like this high end program that uh, I think it's somewhere in um, Britain where they've developed this AI program. Uh, for writers and basically you can put your 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 document into it and then you can i think you, what you can do is basically say okay write it in this style yeah and so it. you pick whatever pick shakespeare and it'll take your dialogue it'll analyze your story and all of a sudden it'll spit it out as it, if shakespeare so it's it's probably sifting through Somehow analyzing all of Shakespeare's works, and mm -hmm. I don't know, it's it's amazing. So yeah, it, it'll get to the point where uh, it's it's going to take all that uh, away. Well, and I'm not even sure. Like you know, like writers, they'll probably do that. Musicians, I can see, like if they're. Because it's if you get a program like that, and all of a sudden you can just have run that program instead of hiring a producer for a million dollars a track for a pop or yeah. whatever they're charging, they get the top producers are getting so much money. Now you're making more money. 
so the people on top who don't really care about the the integrity of the the and the artistry of what's going on and they just want to make money that's what they'll they'll latch on to but i don't know if i want to be in a world like that well i mean i think it's far off i don't know how far off but is it going to happen in our lifetime well and how far off is it that we know i mean scientists do they maybe they've got more stuff ready for us than than we even even realize that it's out there in in his book um harari says that he he describes uh how ai the speed with which ai learns and he said back in 97 gary kasparov finally lost to a computer gary of course was a great chess player yeah and he finally lost to a computer i forget the name the name of the computer there's some you know i always have fun names for this thing and that was deep blue or something like that so then they developed another program that um would be like the top chess program and it analyzed every game every possible like eight million moves all the combinations and no one could beat it other computers couldn't beat it it was the top and then google came out in I think it was Google 2016 or 2017 with an AI version, which meant that it wasn't learning. It wasn't just memorizing a whole bunch of things, then sequencing it or then doing, doing a, an opposing move. It was actually had to learn chess. So it took four hours from start to finish where it was presented the rules of chess, how every, every player moved, how to capture all that stuff. And the AI program learned it in four hours and beat this other program that had, that had done it the other way or had, had been had been programmed. So in four hours, AI was able, that program was able to learn, and you can search searches online. That's fast to be able to, and chess, I mean, that's like the top yeah. intellectual game. So if it can do that at, at chess, what that's that's eight years ago or, or seven years ago. Where are we at right now? You know, now you can get an app that can write a Shakespeare play or a love song. My daughter did this. She types, she said, write a song about the Edmonton Oilers, that's a hockey team here if you're not from Edmonton, write them write a song about them losing the game. And it wrote a pretty good song with lyrics and verse. It was and a couple choruses. Yeah. So I don't know, are we obsolete? Like I don't know at what point is it like even with uh like the the AI uh, self-driving cars that like in some instances that would be great. You know, like if you're driving down to Calgary, you got a road trip, you can just get yeah. in your car and and now you could you can do work or you can watch a movie and then or relax. Or if you're with friends, you just sit there and talk and have a coffee for a long trip. But I I don't know, I kinda like driving too. Yeah. So I don't know at what point does it stop and you take away everything and then what are we gonna do? And, and does AI then render humans as being incapable of being the best or the most effective or the most healthy for our world? Does it say, you know what, if you, if you do this, you're not going to have as much uh, climate effect on the climate. So therefore, we're going to choose this option. Or if you eat this way, it's going to be the best for this. If you think this way, you're not going to be so mean. You're not going to say mean things about other people. And therefore, we're, we're going to let AI. Remember the song, uh, 1978, Bob Geldof, uh, Boomtown Rats? Um, came out. It's a great piano intro on the song I Don't Like Mondays. But the first line of that song is silicone chip inside her head was switched to overload. Like, okay, hold on a second. You're talking about silicone chips in someone's head in 1978? Like, I didn't even know what that, you yeah. know, I had a calculator. And you're talking about a silicone chip inside her. It did something, made her do something. Are you trying to tell us 
That's a weird lyric. I mean, that's that a, is that is very and strange, a tragic especially song. I mean, in '78. Yeah, when you think about it, that's '78, '79. That was a long time, and now here that's we are. pre the pers. When did the personal computer hit between uh, Apple and PC? Yeah, early '80s. I think that started coming out. Yeah, so I guess it would have been it would have started then, but. It wouldn't have been mainstream. But the idea, like a silicone chip back in those days would have been a big, a lot bigger than it is tiny now. But that's weird. I just, I just heard that lyric the other day. That's weird. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, is that, and so he says in our book, Harari says that, you know, eventually you'll, you will have these hybrids where AI is going to help you think. So if you've got someone who is uh, predisposed to maybe outbursts of anger, this could actually help you think. It will help you go, hold on a second, and look. Because sometimes when you have an outburst of anger, you don't see the results of what that, that looks like. And that's why you do it. But if AI helps you go, hey, Matt, if you act this way, here's probably three, four, four things that's going to happen. Then you can go, oh, I don't want those things. And all of a sudden, you know. It, it, yeah, that stuff, they're already experimenting with. And I'm, I'm not up on the, on the research on that, but I remember reading articles on, like, they're already... Uh, implanting chips in humans crazy and checking out what it can do like do you remember uh, stanley kubrick's 2001 space odyssey yeah like think about that and how like that was wasn't that 60 late late 60s or late 70s 60s 70s and in there yeah and how is the computer and he starts to take over like they're trying to tell us something or i say they like that's 2001 and we were watching it we were like man 2001 that's and if you watch that scene, those scenes, all the music's taken out. It's just him and the computer. And Hal's like, "Hello, Dave. Don't, Dave. What are you doing, Dave? Yeah. Stop it, Dave. It's it's eerie. Like it's and the soap. Yeah. Like that's I'm that was my like that's fifty years ago, man. That's trying to tell us stuff. And now we're two thousand twenty three, and here we are. Yeah, and it's. So I think it snuck up on us. And I guess maybe selfishly, I worry that it, it's going to take my job. You know, I can't sit down. Uh, will you ask, will you want to be dining and have a computer play a song for you instead of, because what's my mood? Okay, so the two things then, will, will computers, will AI, it can't be affected by sickness. It can't be affected by mental health necessarily or environmental issues. So that computer is going to sit in that dining room and play a song beautifully with no like how was my day if i had a really crappy day i show up i might be playing it emotionally different that might actually be beautiful there might be something can ai produce that that emotion or will people even care i think it it depends i think it's education on <clears throat> on on our part and just people being aware and seeing the difference because that already happens in our mm -hmm. i mean you've seen it where they have player uh the digital player pianos that they What's the one in uh, at Core Center? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Busendorfer, like yeah. the three hundred thousand dollar. Yeah, it's got the whole Oscar program in there. Oscar yeah. Peterson special edition one in. I think there's there's ten or twelve in the world, and most of the time it's they press a button and it it plays. Yeah, it's a three hundred thousand dollar pristine beautiful instrument that barely anyone plays. Yeah. Because no one seems to think it's a big deal. No, so they, I think it's, and I know that there was for a while, and I should actually reach out to him again, but I ran a series in there, lunchtime once a week, 
Um, oh, you went and played it? Yeah. So I hired like jazz pianists to go in there once a week. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't last that very people long. Don't, people don't appreciate But they did. That was a comment. Like the security guards, uh, it, you're right outside of, is it Buco Pizza? Yeah. Yeah, um, pasta. And people, people did notice. They're like, it's so great to actually like see someone play instead of the player piano. Like yeah. it's different. It's something different. So I think that's my own. I think bias. it's education. Just it's just people it. actually seeing it and then acknowledging it. And most people will, you know, if it's presented, they will notice the difference. It's just convincing, you know, the venue that has it, like Epcor, saying, "Look, like this piano. Like, why buy this piano? Obviously, mm -hmm. someone in that chain higher up." One of the owners, one of the CEOs, president, vice president, was a fan of Oscar Peterson, yeah, or something. Because why would you spend three hundred thousand dollars and buy that specific if you didn't somebody have that interest? Knew. Somebody knew. So was that piano donated or was it purchased? I think it was purchased. I can't remember. I know Tommy Banks did a a big reveal of it when they bought it, uh, but. I think it was one of the high ups, yeah. one of the owners or one of the CEOs, but you've, you've purchased that. Like, why wouldn't you support? So obviously you have a lot of money. So why wouldn't you then have a budget to, Hey, even if it's once a week, just bring in someone to perform on it. Yeah. So, which, you know what? I should reach out again. I've been, you inspired me to do so this. Here, and here's the thing, like the, that computer that that program isn't going to respond to the the traffic walking by or the guests sitting there. It's not. I mean, it, I think in the future it, it will be programmed to do that. It will analyze maybe through a camera. Oh, there's kids sitting at that table, and then it plays Disney because it, it recognizes that and it watches the facial response, right? It's facial recognition, so it sees. Oh, the crowd seems to like this. We're going to play more of this. That's where I think some of the music, the AI is going. That's I'm just into that in his book right now where he's talking about that too. All these algorithms that will analyze, you know, what are the best melodies? What is the age group like? What are, you know, what are the, the leaps and skips and jumps and all the, the stuff in yeah, the melodies? Yeah, what's, like, what's the, like, think of the amount of money you have to spend to develop that technology and you won't hire a piano player. Like, I don't even want to know what that would cost no. in total, but you can't afford to pay a piano player 200 bucks to come in and, and you're like, we have no budget for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're thinking about all these things to save money, but the, the cost of that development is staggering and it, could it, be it put is. to like this, to other uses where, you know, get AI to, to work on these cures for, right. sink it in to do that where, you know, it takes all this, this time and effort. Well, and that's one of the things too, AI will be able to do is again, uh, he says in his book where you can get um, uh, people on smartphones in, in certain parts of Africa, places they don't have healthcare. And right away you, they can put in, in the symptoms of whatever they're going through. And 90,000 AI doctors on this web can then analyze it and say, it's probably this, it, you might want to look at this. And right away they've got access to healthcare, or at least a solution around the world, doctor in New York, all these different places that are analyzing it and can can do that. So there are some healthcare advantages that go that go with it, but 
I think you know, our industry, cost. in a lot of way, gets hit. Is the easiest target, but you will see, like that's a good point. Like you'll see that in healthcare, like doctors, they might become obsolete because you'll get a computer program that can sit there and basically analyze and have yeah knowledge um, instantaneously of every university course, every study, everything, be able to uh, diagnose with better accuracy yeah. and more efficiency than a doctor. Like that's going to come. That's going to come And fast. maybe yeah. at that point, that's when people step in and go, no, this can't happen. Whereas in music and they don't really, they're not really thinking of that because it, it doesn't affect it. A lot of or engineering or you know you know what I mean like when it starts hitting you know you can you can input anyone like if I had the program I could go okay I want to design this building here are the specs this is the size mm-hmm. I have no knowledge on engineering at all but I can just virtually just or visually uh, or through speech just say this is what I want and all of a sudden it happens it yeah like you could do with a computer program with like MIDI packs, audio packs, or and with very little knowledge, design something that's structurally sound for basically no money, then people are going to probably stand up and take notice and go, okay, this, this might be a little bit too far, but maybe it's, maybe it's too late by then. I don't know. I don't know. That's my worry. It might, be, might too be too late, late by then, but, and here we go. And are we, are we running out of good melodies and do we need AI to come along and say, here's a new way to approach, you know, melodic understanding so that we increase that ability to, to have those tunes. Will these tunes last a long time? And does it matter if they last a long, do people even care anymore if they last the Hey Jude kind of tunes? Are they, those will last a long time. But the ones that are coming out today that are being produced right now as we speak, and you're right, someone has a MIDI pack and they type in Neo Soul and they get like 30 different ones. They drag it in into their into their DAW and now they can do whatever they want over it. They can manipulate that. And they never had to have any skill. But you found somebody online that has a lot of skill. Like you were talking about that new hybrid of player. Yeah, there's a, um, in the electronic music world, so I guess these this would have come out of the. There's a number of them. There's it, there's more than probably I know, but the ones that stick out to me is uh, a guy named Anomaly who's from Montreal. Is that, that the guy you showed me? Yeah. There's another guy named Haywire. Who I think is West Coast based. I think he's from the states, and then there's. Uh, brother sister duo and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm forgetting their names right now but you said the from band Ed- name is Tennyson yeah I think. they're from Edmonton or something they're from Edmonton right. and um, yeah they just they have extreme knowledge on their instrument and they can execute it but then coupled with they know they started at a very young age on the production side of it. So their production is world-class. So these are, these are hybrid, this is hybrid stuff, but it's coming from skills. I don't know if hybrid's the right word. I, I call it hybrid because, you know, they're kind of, they've, 
they can play their their instrument at like a like a, a substantial level and like world class level, but then they've got the production skills awesome. that they could sit down. Like if you have a laptop, they could sit down and and make something amazing out of nothing. Well, why don't you bring it up? Uh, we can hear a little bit of that, and um, and then we can maybe talk about what's going on there. So this is, I mean, this is was my first uh, dive into this this artist anomaly. Someone I can't even remember it was. It actually probably was a student, or my son brought this to me, and this is in the Christmas spirit. We got to have a ride. We got to have your son on the show because I think he yeah. has some very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, I'm going to start it a little bit into it, but it just is his level of understanding of harmony, but his execution of what he's playing is, is great. And actually, I think he's, he did a, a recording and there's a performance my son told me with a, he plays with a big band. So he did all of his stuff and probably arranged it all. So he's a cat. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. like he's, he's serious. All right, let's have a listen. pretty it's pretty sensational yeah it's got some uh some skills for sure so that's i mean like so there's said, still there's, meets technology and yeah so this is someone who's embraced the technology excelled at it it's got all the production uh product production um skills all of that but then can back it up with this insane yeah. playing ability so i mean there's there's a whole generation of these these players coming out in that and i was just listening to uh jacob collier collie collier yeah this week same kind of thing i mean he's he's a freak and he brings everything together from using his, his whether it's vocoder looping stuff and he plays so many instruments but it's the confidence. I think we were talking about that earlier just before we got on here having coffee. The confidence that some of these players have, they have an AI type of confidence that I think AI brings to the table because AI is not going to be, well, that's the thing. Can AI get in the zone? Can AI get in and out of the zone? Like we can get in and out of the zone. Is AI always in the zone? Can AI, you know, can all of a sudden get vibed out? And are they, is AI out now? I don't think they have that. Can, would you build that in? Oh, yeah, would you, would you program? Because I think of a lot of us would be like, hey, program that out of me. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be second guessing myself. I don't want the insecurity there. Why would you program that into AI? Yeah. If you had a choice, like you're going to hit the zone and you're going you're gonna to create effortlessly and whatever happens, happens and you're not thinking about it. And can AI catch you? Because- 
have you ever, you ever played with an, an artist and the singer gets off, something happens, the singer maybe gets emotional and you got to loop her around. It's like, you know, you're not, you're not landing, you can't land the plane yet. You've got to stay in, yep. in formation and you catch that player again. There's something about you play them back in. I think that's what yeah, we yeah. call that. Right. Can AI do that? That's a beautiful moment where something emotional happens and the band has to respond for another. And some six, good uh, moments come out of that. Oh, beautiful. You know, there might be that initial, Oh, what the hell's going on? But then all of a sudden it evolves into like this magical moment that might not have happened. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think it's there yet. I, I don't know if I want it to take, I mean, that's the, you can get into the whole discussion about, you know, human beings, what, and the soul. So if you get AI to that point where it basically can process yeah. information like us, is there still going to be something missing because of the human soul? And I don't, okay, that's I don't other, know if human I, soul is a whole other podcast, but I don't know if I wanted, I don't know if I want that world right now. I don't know what that would look like. You know, there could be some good things that come out of that, but there's definitely a distinction who knows maybe the i don't know i don't I, that's like you said a whole nother podcast or years years decades centuries down the road i don't know and i mean they they might be closer to it than we think wow so how ai would interact with a human soul that would be crazy yeah, like I said, yeah, I don't know if I want. Tripping I don't know if I want that. Like, I think that's. I want human though. Remember the drum machines that used to come out? Uh, the, what were the first the drum machines in the '80s? And there was a there was a like the Lynn drum machine. Phil Collins used that. Um, then the Roland had all the TR series. I think it was the TR, the 707s, yeah, yeah. 808s. But there was a function there. You could click the human eyes button, right? And you could well even now you know even when you quantize something you can still have a little bit of humanization. So you yeah they have drum like there's uh, there's a number of them I know with Logic with some of their drum like you can you can put these different I know it's drummers in and you yeah. can change the level of uh, not flexibility but just their intent they can, the, their, their intensity, intensity their volume, their complexity you know, yeah there's stylus RMX by Spectrasonics that does that so now all of a sudden it'll it'll change change it up so it'll if you put it at 70 percent, it'll keep keep the steady groove going and then maybe it'll it'll fill a little bit more than normal and then if you drop it down to yeah so that stuff has been around for a while but and there's still a lot of human input human programming to that okay here's my rabbit trail um let me first say this though about about AI. Like you watch those. We talked about the mountain climbers earlier, and Alex Honnold is this guy that does the El Capitan no ropes. How many feet? Three thousand. Like whatever he does, and they say like his amygdala just basically is not even having to fire when it's its fear response is so whether it's controlled or diminished or something, he just doesn't have that sense of fear. Like we would get on a ladder going, okay, I, I can't do my Christmas lights, but he can go 3000 feet. And you talked about some guy doing like six different peaks or yeah, like I, superhumans. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of, uh, of the, the Netflix documentary, but it's a guy that climbs the tallest. I can't remember how many of them there are, but the tallest peaks in the world. And he does them all. And I think six months 
let's see if I can find it quickly. But it's it's amazing, like fourteen peaks. That's, but so yeah, they have yeah, something. So that's the that's what it's called, fourteen peaks. So they get into the zone, like you get into the zone, or I yeah. can get into the zone, or they talk about rappers getting into the zone. And there's a whole study um, of a guy, and I was trying to pronounce his name earlier, Russian guy who talks about rappers have that ability to disengage or at least have more control over the prefrontal cortex to not be so afraid of, I'm going to miss a rhyme or I'm going to look silly and they can do that. And it's like that fear response is gone or that awareness is, is gone. I think that's what getting in the zone is about too. And can AI get into the zone and is it important to get into the zone? I think it is. I think beautiful stuff happens when you're in that moment. It's, oh, hundred percent. It's, it's a gorgeous spot to be. That was the thing with Whitney, you know, she got in the zone. You just, Everything about, I mean, that confidence that comes from understanding that you have it. You've got like the J. Collier or the, or the dude you just played. What's his name again? Anomaly. Anomaly. Yeah. The stuff that he's playing there is, is sensational. And I don't think he's, I don't think he's pre-recorded his piano track. It looks like he's. No, he's, he's playing that. Like he's, he's playing with production. Yeah. Um, that he's done. But there's tons of live videos. Like he. He plays. They're the, they're the cats. Yeah, and there's yeah, and I watched Jay. If you if you search Jacob Collier, C O L L I E R, online, he does a live version of Elvis "Cannot Falling in Love" and uses that vocoder, and he's got a harmonizer and he's got all his synths. He's playing these gorgeous chords and he sings it. And it's so transparent. It's so intimate. He's singing in front of like twenty thousand people, and it's just him. And he, he's leaving space and the confidence that he's. He's coming. So I like that AI confidence. I wish I could have that, but I don't want to become a robot. Yeah. I just want to get that into that place. So how do you, how do you do that in music? Get to a place where you feel confident. So you get in the zone and maybe, you know, for your students listening, they're at a place where there there's anxiety. There's all kinds they're learning their skill development, but what do you do to get in that place? That is just that gorgeous spot that hopefully AI, AI can't get to. I, I try to, uh, take a moment before playing and just be thankful that I'm able to do that. Mm -hmm. So gratitude and just, just kind of, it basically you're, you're kind of setting your mindset Yeah, and that could happen backstage where, you know, you just take a couple of moments by yourself and you're breathing. You're just kind of thinking of what you got to do. But a lot of times you try to you try to get into that with the music mm -hmm. and just accepting that it you're in the moment. Um, I'm by f by no means um, like the amount of times I think I hit the zone is very few. You know, in the grand scheme of how yeah. how much I play, um, so I'm. You know, I think it's a skill that is constantly developing and evolving for me, for sure. In a lot of ways, I've, if I look back to when I was younger, I think I had that um, maybe more. I didn't overthink things and have a lot of fear when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I think that snuck into my my mindset a little bit more. So just trying to go back to when I was young and just go, okay, what, why was I like that? 
And a lot of it was I just didn't I didn't have that fear or that sense yeah, of no judgment. You, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And maybe it's because I was young and I was just so eager to to just grow that that trumped those other feelings. And as I got older, maybe more of that creeped in because I was uh, more fearful, fearful of the judgment in that. And now as I enter another chapter of my life, I think I'm heading more back to um, not really worrying about what other people think and just creating mm-hmm. and be more in that place. So there's, I mean, it changes for me, but a lot of it is, I do find success when I ground myself and when I, when I take that moment to, to just be in gratitude for, for just, Hey, this is amazing, amazing journey that, that I'm on and I'm able to do what I love and create in the moment. I love the word gratitude because I, Again, we're talking about AI a little bit today. I, I don't know that AI, can you program gratitude into AI? And can that then show up in the expression of the music? Yeah, I'm not sure. No, I, I don't think that's they're, they're yeah, close that's, to that right that's now. A soul. But, I think that's a, that's a whole other yeah. soul thing, right? I remember the first time I played music, and, and this is interesting you bring this up, because when I was young starting out, and I started playing piano really late, I mean, I was... I was probably 15 or 16 before I really started. I didn't know it, like playing chords and stuff and people showed me some stuff when I was in grade 11. And I fell in love with music right away. Like I wish I'd had it, even though my dad had a piano in this hotel. I didn't really play. I played like, I think we talked about that other podcast. I played four or five songs, you know, Pink Panther or tunes like that. But I remember the first time, actually I'm going to go to the piano and do this, but the first time I ever uh, played with a band and was shown chords, I was at... Uh, I was at school and it was, I, I don't know, I would have been, I, I was grade 11 and the, the school had a college and there were some college guys playing and I heard this music and they were playing um, uh, the breakup song by, uh, was it Jake Isles? Uh, I'll, I'll play on the piano, but they were playing this tune and I liked that tune and I just sat there watching them. So anyway, the guy calls me over and I'm sitting there and it's uh, A minor. Uh, 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 uh. She was broken up for good just an hour ago. And I did this, and he showed me A minor chords, and F, and G, and we played that tune for two hours. I just sat there playing those chords, and I went home. Like I, When I got into bed that night, I, I couldn't sleep. I was just, yeah. I couldn't believe what had happened. And so what happened after that, I started writing songs that sounded like this. Right? That was, and I thought these these are masterpieces. I didn't I didn't know Bach. I didn't know any of this stuff. Yeah, I had yeah. nothing to compare that this was good or bad. And I was just so enthralled with music. I would spend hours just playing. And then someone would come along and say, "Oh, what about this? Try this chord. Oh, that's cool." And then all of a sudden, you'd hear a song, and that would show up. Then that would be, oh, that that was from something else. And then it would lead to something yeah, else. Exactly. And so I spent years kind of feeling like you felt where you couldn't do anything wrong. And you know what wrecked me? Like I thought, I thought I was okay piano player in when I was, I took three years of college. I took a, a, a BA in music and I thought I was okay. And then I went to McEwen and they had that teachers, the, the teachers would play like the first oh, day. Oh yeah. The yeah, first or, day, first day or whatever. The yep. teacher would do a concert. And I left that going, I cannot believe how crappy I am as a musician. I was going to quit. Like I had no perspective 
of how bad I was. Now I had some certain skills, but I, I had no perspective how good Charlie Austin, oh, yeah. Wes Castle was playing. These, these cats were, were playing. I had no idea that humans uh, existed like that. And so then we, that, you know what we should, uh, we should have Charlie on. Charlie would be amazing. Uh, that'd be a real treat. We could reach out to Charlie. Cause yeah, we could, he'd sit and play and we'd have oh, some man. fun and then we'd talk a little bit and get yeah. him to, he'd just sit there and talk at the piano actually for probably most of the time for hours and hours. So I left feeling, and then I started hearing other players coming in. You were one of them. Like, what do I got, man? And there was days I just felt like I'm going to quit. And if you're a student listening, you feel like do not quit because you bring a fingerprint musically to the world that it needs. That it's 100%. not the same as Chris is not the same as mine or Charlie is or anybody. But if we don't hear that, if we don't know that, but it was, yeah. So all of a sudden this fear crept in all these things where well, you would use the word snuck in, it sneaks in all of a sudden, I'm not good enough. I don't play this lick well enough. But then you start hearing other musicians, they come out, it's like Willie Nelson. It's like, wow, you don't sing like, you know, or Van Morrison, you hear these voices and you go, wow, Bob Dylan, like you, you don't sound like Josh Groban, but you're amazing and you've got your own thing. And then you start realizing, find your voice, find that thing that is humanly you, not artificially intelligently you. This is, a, this is humanly you and figure out, and I'm 50 three trying to figure out what that is and really bringing that authentically to the world. Yeah. Cause I don't like living in that, in that fear. I hate that, that fear place all the time. Well, it, it takes so much energy, oh, right? It kills you. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a ton of energy, a ton, ton of worry. And, but again, that's the thing. AI won't have that. You won't see that beautiful moment where you, where the AI starts to stutter and starts to worry and its hands sweat. And you feel like, you know, you read about Chopin. Chopin played, I think, about six or seven performances live in his life public. And he wouldn't. He just made really hard music for the rest of us to try to do. But he just talked about the audience was like this gasping, you see words like this monster just out there. And he just, he couldn't, he had such anxiety to play. And that's Chopin, right? So he would just create all this other stuff. But yeah, it was something like, it was under 30 live performances. Well, there's yeah, is there, doesn't Barbara Streisand have mm -hmm. like anxiety, performance anxiety? Totally. Uh, what's the great actor? Is it Gregory Peck or one of those like old school actors would, you know, throw up every time before he walked on yeah. to do his scene. Like it's, it's out there and it's real and it's affecting people that you never would think get affected by it. And now I think it's being talked about more. You'll, you'll find these artists or uh, actors that come out and saying like they were so anxious and didn't know what to do when and being overwhelmed and not knowing how to deal with it whereas before i think they just resorted to other methods mm -hmm. so that's i mean well, we talked about that earlier too the tragedy a lot of the artists that yeah. that we knew and loved that some got into substance stuff and others didn't like why did oscar not but why did bill and you mentioned herbie was in and out kind of, you know. Well, there's, oh man, there's that great moment in the Amy Winehouse documentary. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it. Oh man, watch that. Where she's in the studio with Tony Bennett, who's one of her heroes. And just watch that scene. Like it's, really? she's like in awe, like she's doing a duet with, with Tony Bennett and she's just completely, I mean, she sounds great. Yeah. It's it on was Netflix. on Netflix. Like it's Somewhere. depressing. It's a it's a hard watch because she's so amazing. Like she was 
you know, and Tommy, uh, sorry, Tony Bennett is like, she's a, she's a great jazz singer. Like, yeah, she is just, she's a great unique voice. And she's sitting there going, trying to perform in front of one of her idols. Who's like right beside her and just completely flustered. You wouldn't know it. Like she sounds great, but you can see what she's going through. So was Tony in a kind of a, was he a encouraging kind of mentor role? Was he? Yeah. Like he very, like he was very yeah. down to earth, but yeah, he was like, she's, she's an amazing vocalist and one of the, you know, underrated singers. Yeah. But again, comes along with that, with that challenge. And I think maybe the, the shout out to young performers or any performers or students or, or whoever's listening is that, uh, that struggle is real. That that struggle and the, and the desire to medicate that and find ways to uh, numb that is is real for all of us. And I would say, you know, get good community around you. Yeah. Get people that you can talk to about that because it sneaks up and some people just, it'll go for, for years and years and years. I mean, Bill Evans should have given us another 20 years, right? Uh, or, more. or more. Yeah, like for yeah, sure. He was pretty young. He was in his, in his 40s or something. And um it just so uh, yeah that's that, that probably the, the sincerity the serious part of our podcast is to if that is a struggle for you those things are real those that anxiety that performance anxiety all that stuff that feeling not good enough find people around you you can say yeah this is hurting me and i feel like i want to do this i want to harm myself i want to numb myself this way get good community around you and uh and that kind yeah, of being I can't say that feeling enough. like you can you convey that how you feel is huge yeah. A lot of times in those situations, you feel like no one's going through what you're going through. And then you start talking to uh, players in the scene or, uh, and you discover that they've gone through that. And then just hearing that, wow, you struggled with this? Yeah. Amazing. Like it just now all of a sudden it takes this isolation and fear of what you're dealing with. No one's ever de dealt with it really unlocks the the door. So, well, I think that's the cool thing about your job, Chris, and you're in a college scenario, university scenario, where you have the ability to really connect with people and get them to encourage each other and walk those roads uh, together with each other and being, you know, you always want to grow. You always want people to come out and say, hey, you know, you could improve if you, you know, worked on your time and worked on your voicings, whatever. But that's not you. That's just something that you can work on. And so making sure you, we always distance our, uh, our performance abilities with, with that so we can grow. We can grow through that is, um, is so key because you all, uh, as musicians, hold this beautiful gift in your hand to bring to the world that I'm not sure AI is going to be able to do that the way you can do it as students coming up or players right now, that you still offer that beautiful thing to the world that no one else can really touch yet. Um, and even if AI gets into that, like, I think humans need that to be human. human. Yeah. So if, if all of a sudden that's taken away and I think you, you definitely do see it within the education system in elementary schools when they pull, you know, the first thing to go is art and music. It you always see it? It that always there's is art and music to go. There first. is, yeah. there is a change. There's no, so if now you pull that away from yeah. society and and human beings, I think you're going to see a really not good, dark uh, effect that comes over the world because it's it's needed. 
and here's a lot of sports parents will will have a hard time with my comment, but I think we spend too much money on sports programs and not enough on music programs. Music programs don't give you concussions. Sorry, but I mean that's that's kind of the reality of I, everyone loves to rally around sports and the the hotshot athletes. But I watch some of my kids who were not maybe as um, uh, in, into the into the sports stuff. They were much more into the drama or music, and there wasn't as much of a place for them in certain schools. And I think that needs to be revisited in curriculum. Like you've got to get programs that build the brain. So do sports programs. Don't get me wrong, but when you get injuries, you don't get the same stuff in 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 music. You get this cognitive development that develops differently than cognitive development in math or sports, and they all do have a cognitive side to that. But there's a health side to to music that we're missing, and we're we're going to leave a whole generation up to maybe computers to decide what our music is. But these kids can yeah. be, you know, and a lot of them are. A lot of them are jumping on to, to um, YouTube and, and learning regardless of what the... But uh, yeah, for you curriculum writers out there in government, uh, music arts programs, like don't snuff that out. It's, uh, it's for our mental health, um, we need it. Yeah. I, I want to wrap up. I know you've got to head off to teach, but I want to wrap up with uh, Daniel Levitin. Um, you've probably read some of his stuff. He's from McGill. He's a great musicologist and uh, studies all this music cognitive stuff. It's very cool. But he has written a paper uh, a few years ago that talks about immunity and, and health. And I don't know if I've ever read this quote on the podcast. But again, we always want to encourage you as musicians to know what you've got, what you hold, is not just for mental health, but now they're realizing for physical health, for immunity, what music does. So this is from a study. So if you want to search uh, the major health benefits of music, uh, McGill University, Daniel Levitin, L-E-V-I-T-I-N. Uh, his writings, uh, his stuff is incredible. But he writes this. He, here's a short uh, snippet. This is about immunity and music. Indeed, the information gathered as part of this first large-scale review of literature showed the music increased both immunoglobulin A, an antibody that plays a critical role in immunity of the mucous system, and natural killer cells. And those are the cells that will ta attack the germs that are invading the body. They're absolutely able to observe now that listening to music and perform music increases those antibodies and those killer cells in our body. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely so amazing. Not, not just um, mental health, um, not just emotional or like soul health, but your physical health as you're listening to music and performing it does uh, amazing, amazing stuff. So speaking of health, what do you do health-wise? What do you offer health-wise for your students um, to stay healthy as a as a player because here's the, that's something AI doesn't have to deal with it's not yeah, worry about exactly. oh, AI doesn't feel AI's got a cold today I try to to encourage them as young beings to really get into habits uh, healthy habits uh, through eating properly mm -hmm. exercising stretching all that stuff at an early age to create those habits as as a young being because as you get older it's harder and harder to how do our backs feel <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, I know. so um, it's just more effort so you get if you get into that r routine early um, it's you're just forming these habits that will carry forward into uh, for years to come. So I really try to instill that because um, it is physical, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and I don't think 
as musicians, a lot of times we think of it as that, but it is, and it can take a toll on your body. Um, so being aware of that and respecting that. So that's, I mean, that's the main thing I try to convey is, yeah, you're young, so you can, you can treat your body like crap and you can do this now and you know, you're going to get sore, but then two days later it's fine. And, and then you don't feel anything for three years. No, it's, it's, but you know, continual maintenance. That's, that adds up. And now all of a sudden you hit 40 and now that doesn't go away because of what you've done early. So trying to get them to convey that respect. Yeah. You're, you're young. So you're healthier. Your body is, uh, more locked into that health, but kind of really take a look at what things might look like years down the road and yeah. be aware of that and respect that for the longevity of your career. And if you get into those habits for sure, young, they form and you're able to maintain them without even thinking about it. It's just a routine and you're just increasing your longevity and your health. So and stretching was one. I, I mean, I don't know. It was that the fault of, uh, I didn't study it enough and, and learn what do I need to do? Who, who does when they're 20, you're just so excited to be playing gigs. You don't think I'm going to stretch before and after my gig, I'm going to, you know, do these exercises. Yeah. You don't know, we don't do that. So right now for me, I, um, especially like, like my Christmas season gets pretty busy. You're singing and playing a lot. Um, so I gargle in the morning with salt and vitamin C mixed in water all the time. And then I'll gargle after the gig. And even between sets, I'll get water, hot water and a package of salt from the dining room or wherever I'm playing the conventions, right. whatever, go to the washroom. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I want to keep that, uh, that, that, the, that antibody, uh, uh, immunoglobulin A is the one in the mucus. So when, when stuff enters our nose, that's the one, that's the first line of defense. So I'm saying, well, let's, let's help it out a little bit and let's do whatever we can to keep that. Clear. And then I have a vitamin regime, um, vitamin D, vitamin C, um, lots of that. I take quercetin, uh, a few other things. I try to, you know, maintain all that. I cut all sugars out as much as I can. Like sugar is brutal for the, and I love sugar, but it's brutal for your immune system. So we're yeah. trying to help our immune system. We're not trying to become like the God of our immune system. We're just saying if our immune system is going in a certain direction, let's help it do that. And then, uh, I'm a cold shower guy. I've been addicted to cold showers for three or four years now. And I find that has really helped. Like I haven't been sick in a year and a half. I had COVID, but I went through all that Christmas season. I didn't have a sniffle, not a cough. Wow. Man. So I, I try and stay on that stuff because I hate getting sick and I don't, do, I don't do well with that. And then I do, uh, you won't, you probably won't like this, Chris, but five or six, well, three or four cloves of garlic, stick it in some water in the Vitamix in the blender, blend it hard for like three, three minutes. You'll know I've done that if you've come to my house and I just drink that water a couple times two or three times a year because garlic's a great uh, anti, uh, it's a, um, uh, it helps with the, the uh, antibiotic with bacteria in your body. So you wow. just drink that and it's unbelievable. You don't smell great, but it, uh, and it's fresh garlic. It burns as it goes down. So I do some crazy things, but you have to sometimes. I think yeah. I'm trying to catch up. And yeah, so whatever you, whatever your regime is, have something that you do every morning you get up, do your thing. That's going to help you. But yeah, that stretching stuff is, yeah, is 100%. a big deal. And mental health exercises—is there, is there stuff that people could be doing from a mental health standpoint to help them prepare to play, disengage after they've played? They've had a program that's gone sideways, whatever. Uh, I go back to the just being in gratitude, taking moments of it pre and post, where you you 
you can self-analyze, but um, don't become too negative. Mm-hmm. I'm a proponent of, of um, counseling and mm-hmm. yeah. dealing with stuff that you might not be equipped with for sure. Um, stuff like what you do with uh, the coaching, that's great. Yeah, like great. anything that you can do to to push through where, you know, sometimes we get really stubborn to think that we can push through on our own. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with having a team behind you to give you that support, uh, to give you advice, to pull you through um, times that you're not able to execute the way you want or move through a certain emotional block so yeah drop the ego and yeah. and accept help and and be able to to talk to uh fellow players in the scene how they've handled it but a good friend of mine told me once he said you know as you go through like drop the ego part because uh, it would it would I'd freeze up i can't play because i'm not as good as this person and he said um you know you're not the best in the world you're not the worst you're somewhere in the middle. I'm like, I like that. He said, and he also said, his, his, his name is Richard. He went to McEwen as well. And he said, uh, also said, you're not Oscar Peterson, you're Matt Day. So play Matt Day, be Matt Day. So figure out what that is for you and what you can be, you know, and again, I'm 50, trying now to figure out more and more how I can bring authentic music to my world. Yeah, and even those, you know, there's that great story with Oscar Peterson. His dad brought brought him Nat King, or sorry, uh, uh, our Tatum record. And he played it on it, and Oscar was like, yeah, who are the two piano players? And his dad was like, it was one. And he quit. He, he, Come he, on, really? He, he, he would, this was when he was yeah. young, and he, I think he cried every night. Or It's a great story. Like, he heard this, and he's like, that's ridiculous, what, what that piano player is doing. And it just crushed him. And this is one of the greatest yeah. iconic jazz pianists Ever so good, and to know. so He's he human. went through yeah, that. He went through that, but you know, pushed through. So it happens to everyone. And AI, if you're listening, I don't think you're going to have to struggle with that. And I, I sympathize with you, AI. I'm talking to you right now. So hear me out. That I don't think AI is going to have to struggle with that. The same, and that might way. be there's something beautiful about it. It is, and that I think that's important. That struggle and yeah. that it makes it worthwhile, and and you. There's yeah, there's that gratitude. But if if it just you learn it mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal, you're not going to be really in gratitude for it because it's just it came so easy. You don't care. No, that's that's important. Well, I want to go uh, from the place where I was, where I had that night, when I was shown A minor G F, and that those chords we played over that that sense of being in the zone, and then all the years that followed of of not feeling good enough. I want to get back to that day that night when those people included me at whatever level and gave me some instruction and let me engage. And I hope that I have more of those days where I feel that engaged and that that gratitude comes out. So as we like to do on Keys to Life, um, again, my name is Matt Day and this is the great Chris Andrew. Uh, We like to wrap up, or I like to wrap up with you playing a little something. So Chris is over at the piano, uh, just kind of relaxing us with a bit of beautiful chords. that I played when I was a kid that really got me into a a headspace uh, of loving music. These were the chords. 
there's something beautiful about this. And there's something beautiful about the gift um, that you bring to your world with the music that you've got, that the art that you bring as an artist, that the skill that you have as an accountant or as a designer or as a producer of something uh, that I'm not sure that AI can touch. And I'm trying to diss AI. There's going to be some great advantages to that uh, for all of us. But I do get concerned that we'll lose what I'm hearing right now um, with Chris just playing. Like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that authenticity. I don't want to lose the fact that music brings a healing, a sense of healing to us that is uh, that's beautiful. It's incredible. So from me, Matt Day, and from Chris Andrew, uh, this has been Keys to Life. Uh, keep going. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy that struggle. Enjoy those days where you are crying and don't think you can do it. And then someone comes along uh, and helps you just kind of get that focus again. Or maybe that's you. And that's something that AI will not necessarily be able to do. Have that emotional experience, bring that expression to our world. So we've heard today that music can provide uh, so much benefit uh, to our world. And we've also heard that it does a great job also in, uh, in our immunity. So health's important, mental health's important, and know that, uh, again, the gift that you carry as a musician or whatever you do in your career uh, leads to benefit to this world. So keep going, and thanks for listening. Uh, my name's Matt. This is Chris, and uh, we've enjoyed being with you today. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.